Combat sports fans, welcome to Strong Style, Impact Media's weekly dive off the top rope into the world of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. We're going to get right into it. But before we do, I want to tell you guys how you can be a part of the show. You can send us a rating, review, question, comment, suggestion, any of those sorts of things in the following ways. You can email the show. 3endzone at gmail.com You can look for us on Facebook whether that is Impact Media Strong Style Jeremy York, any of those if you are a person who likes to just click a link and listen to a show we'd like you guys all to say I appreciate you guys as well you can go to our Twitter account at Team Impact Media just click on the appropriate show and listen as many times as you want. There is no cap on the amount of times you can listen. You can also follow myself at TheImpact99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram where we have show-related things and uh, uh, non-show-related things. You know, like uh, uh, I, I apologized on board check this week. I'll apologize again. Uh, the private event I was at at Topgolf over the weekend um, did not get a chance to uh, take a lot of pictures, was very busy, but I did get a chance to talk to some of you you guys. I uh, did meet some people that were board check fans, some people that were uh, strong style fans, and some that sports show fans. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic getting to meet you guys and uh, in chat. And uh, like I said, I, I was I was I not approachable? I, I told you guys, uh, you guys see me out somewhere outside of a celebration of life. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Outside of a celebration of life, uh, I'm pretty much open, open game. Uh, you know, and if not, I, I will let you know and give you a, an opportunity another time to chat. But I'm pretty much open and uh, got a chance to talk to a lot of you guys and gals. Um, fantastic, love it. You guys, you guys find me when you, you know, we're at Putt Shack, we're at uh, rugby. We got rugby this weekend. Um, there is actually a wrestling show coming up very soon that a very good buddy of mine told me about in the Atlanta area and uh, very much considering that. As we get closer to it, I will tell you guys more about it. But um, at the Impact 99 you can find all that stuff there. That is the easiest way to find me on social media and uh, definitely appreciate um, um, all the follows and comments and, and uh, all those sorts of things. And as always, you can find this anywhere you find a podcast, including Spotify, Podcast One, and the iTunes Store. Uh, I think I got into everything there. Obviously, we'll get into wrestling in the second part of the show. We've got UFC, PFL, and Bellator all to talk about in the beginning here. So, without further ado, let's get into the world of the PFL. So, of course, let's start with the Challenger Series week number seven for the PFL. And I have a small PFL announcement um, after, after, um, after we go through this. Of course, it was the lightweights. And uh, they did not disappoint. They did not disappoint at all. 
let's start with the matchups. The matchups uh, started with Monte Morrison versus Roland Dunlap. And what a fight that was. That was a great fight. There was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of offense, really, like early on um, before before uh, Dunlap was able to take the victory in that one. Uh, that moved us on to Tristan Overvig uh, versus Billy Alencana. And uh, Alencana ends up with uh, a dominant win. Uh, Man, his jujitsu. He is a jujitsu ace. Tristan Overvig. Uh, he took on Billy uh, El Elancana, and he just did not. He was not going to let the jujitsu ace get the better of him. Uh, I like that they called out that these are both two fathers trying to provide and make better lives for their kids. That's that's really cool. Um. I said they uh they had a, a good battle. It really did. Uh it did go uh it did go Ellen Connor's way as he won on the feet and uh controlled the ground and uh won the unanimous decision thirty twenty seven on all three cards, which I mean that's that's definitely the right call in uh in all of that. Um that moves us on to fight number three. So we get to our third matchup and this one did not disappoint. It there was a disappointing part to it, but it was later on in the night we had Trey Williams, who is actually, I believe, a former Marine, might be a current Marine, who is transitioning over to MMA, and uh, man, he looked in good shape, looked in really good shape. But he took on Tombstone Taylor Johnson. They don't call him Tombstone because you know he plays with concrete all day. Uh, no, he he's pretty good at ending things. We'll put it that way. Uh, these two faced off. It started off with a bang, just as we thought it would, and then Tombstone found another smash, just right over, just overhand right, just caught him out of nowhere, threw a bunch of uh, uppercuts, and just got in, and really was just really on top of him, of Williams. They go to the ground, Williams trying to get away, finally he gives up his back. Unfortunately for him, Johnson just started raining down just powerful blows until the ref had to step in right there. And if I'm a light heavyweight in the PFL, I don't know if I want to see Taylor Johnson because he put on a show right there that would 
should scare a few people. Uh, maybe most of the division. Maybe all the division. Who knows? Uh, but for Trey Williams, he just got caught. He's a, he's a better fighter than he showed right there. Things like that happen. But good for Tombstone Taylor. Uh, what a just... If if you're going to put on a show, that's... You know, to put a UFC term on it, that's a Bo Nickel-like thing there. You come in with the hype, you more than back it up. That moved us to the main event of the Challenger Series Week 7 where Impa Kasagane took on Osama El Sadi. They definitely they definitely saved the best for last um, even though Tombstone had a great just great uh, epic performance there and everything. Um Impa just had a just a, a, a really good first round finish too. He he stayed on top of of uh, his opponent, ended it, and it and it made it to where we knew it was going to be between uh, Taylor and Impa. The, there was uh, Alicata and Dunlap had good performances, but those were not early first round stoppages. So it really come down to those two. I'm glad I'm not part of the celebrity panel or the Bud Light fan vote. I guess I am part of the fan vote, and uh, I actually voted for Taylor, but you guys all outvoted me. I believe it went across the board. Uh, Impa Kasagane, welcome to the PFL. And uh, with one more week to go, let's see the, who was it this week? It was Tyron Woodley, it was Tim Kennedy, it was Randy Couture. Those three know what they're talking about, so... Uh, just exceptional, exceptional. This Challenger Series has been fantastic. They've got one more week for it. It is week eight down in Orlando. Uh, not to be outdone, week one, two, and three out in Las Vegas are going to start the weekend of April the 1st, which is two weekends from about two weeks from now, basically. But we go to next week's matchups. Next week's matchups, as uh, like I said, week eight is the final one down there. In, in the past couple weeks, uh, you, you're going to see. I think it was this week is a lot of people returning that may have lost before, lost close ones or things like that. You're going to see a bunch of uh, different weight classes and things like that. Uh, we're going to start in the lightweight division. Where Kenley St. Louis, uh, St. Louis is going to take on Paulo Lael. There is the women's featherweight, where Jackie Cataline is going to take on Evelyn uh, Martins. In the heavyweights, you're going to see Denzel Freeman against Raiden Kovacs. And last fight on the thing is going to be welterweight where Sadek Sanon and Ali Omar. And remember, you not only have to win your fight, you need to do it in a more decisive manner so that people like us vote for you. Like I said, they got, uh, oh, they even got a countdown. It's a uh, little over, a um, little less than 16 days away. So pretty much what I said, about two weeks and two days from now, they will kick off from Las Vegas. Now, said I had a PFL announcement, and that was not the announcement. 
the announcement is that PFL Weeks 4, 5, and 6 are going to return to the city of Atlanta. That will be June the 8th. The, this is a Thursday. There will be Friday, June the 16th. And the following Friday, June 23rd, it will be at the OTE Arena, just like it was last year. Uh, what a fantastic event. That's how I told you guys the PFL puts on a heck of an event. Uh, I got to meet some incredible people that um, will more than likely be back. We look forward to doing that. That's going to be a lot of fun to get back down there, get among the people. And um, I hear you guys. I'm going to do my best to get Ken Flo on some sort of media publication that we do. Uh, but PFL going to be doing some just fantastic things uh, in the very, very near future. Now we move on to the world of the UFC. Let's talk about UFC Fight Night. Uh, Peter Yan versus Davishvili. These fight nights, man, they have started to load these cards up to where they are basically discounted pay-per-views. And they are only discounted in the price and access to them, not in the overall content. Uh, but Marab Davishvili took on Peter Yan in the Bantamweight. Uh, Peter Yan, man, he, he's one of those guys that is a top contender, but he's just kind of hit a little bit of a streak. He may need to drop down the rankings a little bit for his next opponents and kind of get his confidence back up and prove to everybody that he can still be at a top level, which he very much is. But Marab absolutely won his won the fight. Unanimous decision over Peter Yan. It was a really, really good fight, though. Uh, it was not one-sided, but uh, Marab Davishvili is one to watch very, very soon. He should be in the title picture if he's not already. And uh, there's a lot of Bantamweights that do not want to see Marab across the cage from them. And you're going to see it because people are going to start ducking his fights again. In the co-main event, Alexander Volkov took on fellow Alexander Romanov. Or Romanov. I actually heard him say his own name and it's Romanov. And the Battle of the Alexanders, Volkov ends up with the KO victory. Uh, two minutes and 16 seconds in. You know, Dana White likes to remind people that uh, you get paid by the you get paid by the win, not by the hour. And uh, Volkov clearly remembered that he was double parked and got out of there quickly. Uh, Romanov is going to continue to do. I mean, it's only a second loss. He's only he's 16 and two. It's not like he's going to disappear. But that heavyweight division, you know, once it shakes out in a couple weeks, when uh, actually it's more than a couple weeks, as uh, John Jones and Stipe Miocic are going to fight in what's International Fight Week, so July, like mid July, when they match up, uh, that's going to kind of show us the landscape of where the heavyweight division is. I will say it now. If John Jones gets past Stipe Miocic, which is a very real possibility, um, not sure if Stipe sticks around much longer after that. He could. But uh, if John Jones wins that fight, 
the only real competition he has left in the heavyweight division is Tom Aspinall. And, you know, got to wait on him to come back and kind of build up after uh, after the injury he suffered a couple months back and everything. But he's one of the few people who have a complete package of skills that could even remotely give John Jones a run. Uh, you could say Sergei Spivak has it's got some good stuff, too. And and maybe he's he's a distant second on that list, but if Stipe can't stop Jones and Aspinall can't, I'm not. Sh- I mean, this this could be the light heavyweight division all over again for Jones, where he just runs through the entire division and then probably disappears this time for good, because at that point he would have proven he's the best fighter, the best fighter of all time. I mean, he never lost the light heavyweight belt. He gave it up three years ago and said, "I'm going to put on some weight and be a heavyweight." And prove to everybody that I'm that good. So far he's doing that. Uh, moving on. Third fight of the night. I guess third from the end. Nikita Krylov gets the great submission win over Ryan Spann. Not Spann's best performance. Uh, triangle choke just 3 minutes and 38 seconds into the fight. Um, Nikita Krylov... It looked like he was looking for this submission from the get-go, and it looked like Ryan Spann just handed it to him. Uh, Spann still looked okay, but he just he was slow out of the blocks, and you can't do that against a killer like Nikita Krylov. So he he loses that one. Fourth fight on the main card: Jonathan Martinez gets the, I'll call it an upset. It was an upset victory, unanimous decision win over Saeed Nurmagomedov. It's not an upset because his last name is Nurmagomedov. It is an upset because Saeed is a better fighter than Martinez. And is uh, is he, he was the favorite coming into this. So, good for Jonathan Martinez. Not buying into the hype and uh, making Saeed work for it. And at one point, Saeed could not catch up, and that's why he lost the decision. Uh, next, next, I guess it was the second on second fight of the night on the main card, because now they're doing six on the main card. I think it's just in case they lose the fight. But Mario Batista gets the submission win over Guido Canetti. That was a rear naked choke just three minutes into the fight. Once again, these guys, they get paid by the fight. They don't get paid by the hour. Uh, good for Mario. He's 12 and 2 now, moving up the bantamweights. That's a division that is stacking up. We'll see where Mario ends up at the end of the day. That these random fake ratings that come out on Tuesdays from media people that are not me, and for some reason the UFC thinks they're valid. Rankings are rankings, I guess. Now, what did open up the main card was a light heavyweight bout between Anton. Uh, Turkal and Vitor Petrino. This thing goes to decision. Vitor Petrino ends up with your win. Moving on in the light heavyweight division. Uh, this is a pretty good fight. A pretty solid fight. They're, they're pretty even. Wouldn't mind seeing them match up again. Uh, Vitor, of course, is 8-0. And Anton, that's only his second loss. He's 8-2. So I could see them kind of circling back. Maybe two or three fights from now, maybe they could see each other again a little bit higher on the card. Uh, David Grant had a good submission in his win. 
there's a couple other ones. Arion Lipsky did a good did a good performance against JJ Aldrich. And there was another oh, Bruno Silva's submission over Tyson Nam. Uh that rear naked choke was a thing of beauty. And I really don't think Nam saw it until it was too late. But overall that fight night, like I said, it was as loaded as any of their regular pay per view cards. Which moves us to this weekend's UFC 286, Leon Edwards against Kamaru Usman. Of course, that's for the welterweight world title. Uh, this is a rematch. Just a couple months ago, these two matched up in that five-round fight. You could say Leon Edwards probably won round one. I'd say probably. It was pretty close. Probably, you know, 10-9. Uh, Kamaru Usman won two, three, and four. And Leon was having a pretty good fifth round and then caught Camaro with a very, very well-placed kick that ended Camaro's title reign and his night. Last one out, turn out the lights. Well, the lights were out. Uh, so they, they obviously going to match these two back up. Camaro seems to, seems to want to remind people that uh, he was winning the other fight three rounds to one. You were. But you hadn't ended the fight, and you allowed your opponent to end the fight, and he did. So, we'll see if that knockout changes Kamaru for the better, that he gets motivated and wants to do better, and not let that happen this time. Or, the unfortunate thing that happens when somebody gets a big knockout against them like that is it changes them as a fighter, and they get a little gun-shy, and you just don't quite see that killer instinct that you normally do. Leon Edwards, by the way... If you guys remember, right before COVID, he pretty much was supposed to have his big moment eventually leading up to a title shot and kept getting passed over and moved along and moved along and moved along. And they skipped over him a bunch of times. So he finally gets his shot, and he made the most of it. My absolute pick on this one, even at plus 200, it's crazy that a defending champ is a underdog. But if I'm putting money on this, I'm, I'm saying Leon Edwards is going to win this. I think it is going to be a stoppage in probably the fourth round. It could be another kick. It may be punches. I feel like Leon, Rocky Edwards, though, is, is going to use this as momentum. And the fact that everybody's already discounting him in this, he's, he's going to make the most of it. He's going to have a pretty good title run. Uh, Kamaru's going to be fine after another loss, but, you know, I wouldn't get my hopes up of, of him winning this one. In the co-main event in the lightweight division, we are going to get Rafael Faziv against Justin Gaethje. It's going to be a fun fight. I do think Faziv, I mean, he is the favorite. I do think he has, uh, I do think he has a little bit of an advantage in this one. I th uh, not not because he's coming in at twelve and one, because Gaethje is twenty three and four, but he's fought almost everybody at this point. Gaethje has been around for a while. He is a really, really well-rounded fighter, but I think Fasiv just has just has more momentum moving forward, and uh, it would not surprise me if either late in round two or early in round three we see a stoppage from Fasiv in that one. In the welterweight division, we're going to get Gunnar Nelson versus the very popular Brian Barberina. Gunnar Nelson, when he puts together a complete fight, 
should win this fight. But the same thing with Brian Barberina is that he has a lot of good moments, but he doesn't always put them all together. You can say that about half the heavyweights as well. Um, Barberina is sometimes, instead of pivoting to a uh, to maybe getting off the feet or using some of his other skills, he would rather stand there and just keep trading punches back and forth, which is fine, but that usually gets him in trouble uh, somewhere down the line. Gunnar Nelson, if you're going to sit there and, and stay on the feet and punch with him, you're probably going to lose. And I do think Brian is going to want to stand and trade blows. I think Gunnar's going to end up winning that one. Matchup number four, Jennifer Maya is taking on Casey O'Neill, the undefeated Casey O'Neill. Definitely an up-and-coming flyweight prospect. Jennifer Maya has been in the division for a long time. That does not make her old. That makes her a seasoned veteran who has seen many people like Casey O'Neill come through, and most of them she stops at the door. I do think Casey is going to put up a really good performance in this one. I think it does go to decision, but I think Jennifer Maya is going to find a way to outlast Casey and end up with the victory in this one. And then they're only going to have five on the main card for this one, according to this. Marvin Vittori is a slight favorite at minus 280 over Roman Delize. He's a plus 230 in the middleweight division. I think part of that number has to do with that Marvin is very popular. And Marvin has had some good performances in the past. But he has had some, he's had some clunkers. And he's also just been caught. He was having a good fight and got caught. But Roman Delize, to me, is the next big prospect up. And I think he is going to win this fight. It may go to decision or it may end towards the end of round three. But I'm going to take Roman Delize to beat Marvin Vittori. Uh, other fun names on this card, Jack Shore, ESPN News, and ESPN Plus are going to be carrying everything but the, uh, the main card. Uh, Jack Shore's in there. Uh, Sam Patterson, uh, Rafael Fio is going to be in there, Christian Duncan, Jake Hadley, and uh, very, very recent and future star Juliana Miller is going to open the card against Veronica Hardy. Make sure to not miss that one on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, this whole card, by the way, takes place over in the lovely world of the O2 Arena, otherwise known as London, England. Uh, Pay-per-view is going to start around 5 p.m. The prelims on ESPN News and ESPN Plus are going to be at 3 p.m. And at 1 p.m., ESPN Plus is carrying the early prelims, including, like I said, um, Miller versus Hardy, which should be really, really good. That only leaves us with Bellator. And Bellator had their event 292. And what an event that was. They are getting where they load up their cards just as good as anybody. As we got to see, you're going you're gonna to recognize these names if you don't remember them. Usman Nurmagomedov took on the ageless wonder of Benson Henderson for the lightweight world title. 
And once again, it it did not disappoint. Usman Nurmagomedov ends up with the submission win over Benson Henderson. And this was this was a, a pretty back and forth fight up until uh, the moment of the submission there, and uh, great for Usman Nurmagomedov that uh, you know his brothers in the UFC, but he is now seventeen and O. His brothers sixteen and O. They they uh, were big. John McCarthy was messing with his brother about that. Uh, you know they had him on their show, uh, and still. The other day, uh, last week, that that was a, a really good interview. Make sure to check that out. But uh, Usman Megamedov improves 17-0. As I said, he is still the lightweight world champion. And we also lost another legend. As Benson Henderson, after the fight, they were talking to him. He took his gloves off. He put his gloves down in the middle of the cage signifying that he is officially done at 42 professional fights. He ends up 30, 12, and 0. Um, if you are new to the fight world or new to the Benson Henderson world, I implore you to uh, look up some of his accolades, whether it was before he got in UFC, when he was in UFC, and even the things he's done in Bellator. Uh, he is a living legend. I look forward to some fun things he is gonna 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 get into. I would imagine he gets into some commentary and other things. He'll probably get into coaching. He is very very smart. Loves to teach others. And uh, I mean, if you're gonna go out, losing to Usman is is definitely uh, somebody to to kind of candle on the cake there. But uh, Fight World's gonna miss Benson Henderson, and good luck to him and whatever he gets into. Also on the main card. Alexander Shibley gets the TKO win over Tofik Musayev. This fight, man, this a lot of people took Musayev. I thought Shibley had a pretty good chance. I think he was in my official picks. I'll have to find where my official picks went. But this was part of the lightweight World Grand Prix, and uh, Alexander Shibley is going to be one of those people you're going to have to go through to win the million dollars and the world title. Uh, Tufik's not going to go away, but he's going he's gonna to have to step to the sideline for a minute till this tournament's done. He'll pick up a fight here or there. Uh, great win by Alexander, though. Uh, great performance. When the, when the lights are turned on and they're shining the brightest, Alexander Shibley likes to show up and show out. So uh, good for him on that one. Linton Vassell gets the KO win over Valentin Moldovsky. Uh, I'll be I'll be honest, surprise me. Um, Linton is a good fighter, but I'm a big Moldovsky fan. I just like the way he fights. He is like a big Russian bear. He is very hard to take out, and Linton made it look like he 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 had a game plan. He stuck to his game plan, and he knocked out Valentin Moldovsky. Great for Linton. And then lastly, on the main card, we got to see MVP himself, Michael Venom Page, with the TKO win over Gordy Yamuchi. Once again, Gordy's a good fighter. He's a really good fighter. He's been around the block slightly more than Michael Page. Michael Page's last fight was in Bare Knuckle, where uh, he, he did a good exhibition fight. And uh, for people that ask about that, if you really want to know, 
why Bellator, while he's under contract, let him go fight with Bare Knuckle. Uh, it's because Scott Coker saw what Michael Venom Page was going to make payday-wise to go over there. And he said, how can I stop him from making that kind of money? And last time I checked, Michael Pace was pretty good over there. But he gets the TKO victory in that one in the welterweight division. MVP is, this could be the year of MVP. He could get right back up in the top. And I could see him with a belt around his waist by year's end. Now their next event, if I'm not mistaken, is, yep, UFC, or no, Bellator 293. Uh, Golm versus James and uh, Kat Zingano versus uh, McCourt. That will be March 31st, so give it a couple weeks. That will be next Friday, no, two Fridays, in the Pachanga Resort Casino in Temecula, California. That's pretty fun, too. Go to Bellator.com or their uh, the Bellator MMA app and check out all the amazing fights in that one. Now we're going to go to a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about the world of professional wrestling. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Strong Style. Make sure to visit our friends at BetOnline.net. They have the betting and wagering lines if you are allowed to do so where you live. And if you are, make sure to do so carefully. If you think you have a problem, there are places you can reach out to. They also have the podcast and they have the articles to where, whether you're betting or whether you're just you know trying to be a, a smarter, more educated fan, you win all your debates whether you're in an elevator you're at the water cooler maybe you're at your family reunion betterline.net they've got all that information to make you a better fan early part of the show we talked pfl we talked ufc and we talked about bellator uh, if you missed that part please go back and see that or listen to it i guess now let's move on to the world of professional wrestling we know that wwe is uh, they're using Raw and SmackDown as the uh, the uh, dueling train engines barreling towards uh, WrestleMania coming up in a couple weeks, I believe. I feel like it's the first of April. I'll probably look that up. Uh, and the, and they've got some some decent things going till now. I think they're really going to pick it up in the next week or so. I mean, we obviously know that it's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. That will probably be your be-all, end-all main event. We know that Rhea Ripley is going to face Charlotte Flair in a rematch of, what, two years ago? Where Rhea wasn't quite ready, and there also weren't any fans because of the uh, pandemic. That was a weird WrestleMania. So we'll see if Rhea is ready for that step up. I think she is. I think Charlotte's still better, but Rhea is really good. And 
it would not surprise me if she finds a, a victory there. We'll talk more about it at the card as it gets closer. Uh, but it leaves some people... It leaves some people without some dance partners. And we still got a little bit of time. Um, we know the Usos will probably be facing... My guess is Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, we know Bianca Belair will be facing Ashka, who won the Elimination Chamber. That should be pretty good. I will probably be disappointed in the ending because I bet Belair uh, gets to keep her title. And uh, we're going to get to see Bobby Lashley versus Omos. We'll see what happens with that. There's a couple different ways you could go with that. I hope Bobby wins, but you never know. We're going to get Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. You guys know I'm a big fan of the Paul brothers, especially Logan. I'm a bigger fan of Logan than um, Jake, even though I got a chance to talk with Jake. And, and I tell you guys, he is they're, they're both as, as straight-up genuine as as you think they would be. Um, plus, huge Seth Rollins fan. He he was on the Rich Eisen show back during the Super Bowl, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, you should listen to it. Not only is he a diehard Chicago Bears fan, which is crazy knowing he's from Davenport, Iowa, but, you know, hey, like you said, Iowa didn't have pro teams, so there's a handful of teams in the surrounding states, and uh, he ended up being a steal the card of whatever, whatever day of the two-day WrestleMania they are a part of. And at some point, you know, at some point we're going to see Dominic versus Rey Mysterio. We know that Rey was the first member of the Hall of Fame class. We uh, found out, spoiler alert, this week that the Great Muda is number two, which is uh, spectacular. I'm, I'm glad the WWE Hall of Fame has turned into the Wrestling Hall of Fame. And that even though Muda did not spend a lot of time in WWE or WWF, they recognized the great accomplishments. And him being on the, the kind of tour of his last year uh, has, has really been spectacular. If you get a chance to either see it live or to see some of the videos online, uh, Muda can still go. He, he can very much still go. He can do a lot of the things he used to do. WWE let Shinsuke Nakamura go do a special one-off where he got to face Muda. Uh, at an event earlier in January. Um, you know, WWE doesn't normally let you out to do those kinds of things. So the fact that they did that tells you the respect they have for Nakamura and the respect they have for the Great Muda. And, uh, oh, and we know at some point there's going to be a return match for the Raw Women's titles, or I guess the Women's Tag titles in general. They kind of go on both shows because Lita and Becky were able to win those from Damage Control. You add Trish to it, or no, it's not going to be a rematch. We know what it is. It's going to be uh, all members of Damage Control, and it being Dakota Kai, Eos Kai, and Bailey taking on Lita, Becky Lynch, and Trish Stratus, which is fun. I mean, it's, it's nice to have Lita back. It's nice to have Trish back. Um, I don't know how long that goes, though, because I, I really don't think they want to go back into the regular rotation of uh, being a WWE superstar, but uh, it's fun to have him back, you know. And I mean, kind of the the main one that I, I'm kind of 
I kind of want to see what they end up doing is I keep wanting to call him Walter, which is what he used to be. Now he is Gunther. I still say that Gunther could be a world champion by year's end. He has all kinds of rockets strapped to his back at this moment. They love him as the United States champion or Intercontinental, whichever one he is. I think he's Intercontinental. And, yeah, he's the Intercontinental. And having Imperium back him up, that gives him his little kind of uh, henchman, so to say. Uh, it's it's lining up to be the recipe for him to be a master heel going down the road. Now, of course, that means the belt has to be moved off of Roman onto a face. Well, that would be Cody. And uh, Cody versus Gunther could be very, very good. But I uh, hadn't, hadn't found that out yet because we know Gunther is still champ. And he is going to face the winner of Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, who both won the random match that uh, the multi-person match that they had to determine their more contender. I don't know. I thought a couple years ago that we had seen the last of Sheamus and Drew McIntyre having to face each other, and the last of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and yet here we are with both of them going again. So we'll see what they end up doing with those. WrestleMania is starting to shake out and shape up. It is going to be two days, so there's going to be some multi-people matches. There will be a uh, an eight to a ten men's and women's match. I would imagine just to get people in some sort of battle royal or things like that. They like to do that because if you appear on TV, you get a certain kind of bonus. If you appear on a pay-per-view, you get a certain kind of bonus, plus it accounts to your appearances. If you appear on WrestleMania, that's the best kind of bonus you can get. So, or it's one of them. So, uh, I look for them to try to use a lot of them, whether it's pre-show or not. There'll be a lot of festivities, a lot of celebrities involved. Uh, There'll be a lot of fans, which will be great. And we'll just see how it shakes out in the next couple of weeks. But WrestleMania should be fun this year. It should be a big event as as they put them on. And nobody really goes all out like WWE does for WrestleMania. Uh, let's talk a little NXT to finish out. To finish out WWE. And uh, NXT last week had their Roadblock event where they randomly, just some random week, like every other week or every third week, they just title their show something where it's 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 like the in-your-house events used to be, where they're like free pay-per-views. Um, just everything is title matches and, and top quality stuff, which every week they deliver that. But they uh, called this one Roadblock, and it's kind of like a mini pay-per-view. It is leading up to their... Uh, right before WrestleMania event, I think Stand and Deliver, maybe what they're calling that one. But they are gearing up towards that. And there is a major wrench that could be thrown into this, but we will get to that wrench when we get there. We're going to dig through the toolbox for a minute before we get there. Uh, Roadblock opened up with Tony D'Angelo with Stax versus uh, Dijak, Donovan Dijak, or Dijak, however you want to put it in a jailhouse I don't know jailhouse something match where somehow I guess the the random writers from TNA that used to have these god awful stupid stipulations have found their way to NXT and we got this 
It was basically a street fight, and the way you win is you lock your opponent in a shark cage, basically. Stacks played a part. Stacks may have been the MVP of this entire thing. Uh, my, my main comment for this match was lame. This is how you started it out. There was action, but it, it didn't really go anywhere. It wasn't telling the story. It just had no real... This was just a colossal waste of time. That I mean, they could have played checkers, and it would have probably been more entertaining. It just wasn't good. In the end, Tony D'Angelo wins. I don't know if that solves anything at all, because I thought DiJack was the one with the momentum. But, once again, NXT uh, just completely takes a storyline and puts it in a blender. Luckily, the next kind of altercation kind of saved that, that first segment. They could have actually opened with this part, and I think it would have made that match better. Uh, Gallus, your NXT tag champions, and they are slowly becoming pretty popular, which is crazy because they are heels. But, hey, as a crowd member, you're allowed to cheer for whoever you want to, and I am with you. I am a big fan of Gallus. As uh, Wolfgang and Mark Coffey are very, very good. Well, they've kind of been called out by Pretty Deadly, who want their titles back. Pretty Deadly is a pretty solid team. There are talks of them being moved up to the main roster. I would rather see Gallus than them, but, you know, they've, they've earned their keep. But the interaction between those four, now keep in mind, they used to be NXT UK opponents all the time. So this is not their first time, their first rodeos. In fact, they probably bring their own bolts. They have been to so many rodeos together. But their their interaction was really good. It's really... Sometimes when you get a lot of different accents in a WWE storyline, sometimes the crowd can get lost. The crowd is in this one. They are invested and uh, they care a lot about it. And I think they want Pretty Deadly to get their, their rear stomped. So we'll see how that works. Uh, we finally got to our second match of the night at that point where Braun Breaker got a little bit of a break from defending his world title for once. And uh, teamed up with the Creed Brothers. Of course, he had Ivy Nile down there. But they teamed up against Indus Sure. Uh, Carmelo was doing some... That's Carmelo, not Carmella. Carmelo Hayes was down there doing some commentary... I like that we'll get we'll get to their segment in a minute. Uh, I like what the two of them said to each other later. But of course, Braun and the Creed brothers end up winning against Indusure to once again prove absolutely nothing. That's not for tag titles. Indusure keeps calling out the Creed brothers. Braun just happened to be their their plus one this time. I just don't know where it's going. It's just two random teams. Maybe that's the point, that it's not really supposed to go anywhere, just supposed to showcase two really good teams. Um, up next was the Waller effect. This was the one where he called out Shawn Michaels. HBK come down, he danced a little bit, he did some stuff. And uh, then, then he said, alright Waller, let's, let's cut to the chase. This this has been a great storyline between Waller and an authority figure. I got Grayson Waller as as the next big call up. He could do some amazing things on the next level. I think SmackDown is screaming for somebody like him. 
and I don't think he would step on the toes of what Gunther is doing. So I think that would mesh pretty well. Um, but he tried to call HBK out, tried to challenge him to a fight, and uh, Shawn Michaels said, Oh, I got the fight for you. Waller gets excited. And then the returning Johnny Gargano, as he attacks Grayson Waller, looks like he's going to be his opponent in a couple weeks at Stand and Deliver. That's going to be really good. I like when they occasionally take a Raw or SmackDown person who was big in NXT and bring them back down for a minute to kind of help a rivalry. I think this helps Grayson Waller a lot. It helps Gargano because this is another feature another uh, feature matchup that, uh, that Johnny Wrestling is built for. But a uh, great segment. Great. I mean, it had three people that know what they're doing. So it just it turned out really, really great. Up next, we got the blow-off match between uh, the, the team that's finally split of Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Gigi gets the win in this one. Supposedly, they think very highly of them both. So as they kind of split apart even more, let's let's see what directions they push either one of them. If they pair one of them up, or if they let them kind of both go solo and eventually find each other down the road. But uh, Gigi got the win here. Um, I feel like JC is probably the better wrestler. Gigi is the better performer. And we'll, we'll see what directions they go. Because the women's division is uh, a spoiler alert or hint coming up. The wrench is going to have to do with that. Up next, Braun Breaker said, I know we're supposed to wait until next week before we have this chat. But uh, Carmelo Hayes, let's talk about it now. And they talk about how the two of them started in NXT together. And they, st- and they st- have uh, not really partnered up, but they've always, you know, had each other's back. They've always had each other's respect. And uh, it's just, and they always said that at some point it's going to come down to uh, having to face each other. And they said that time is now. Braun's next opponent needs to be Carmelo. And Carmelo said, yeah, it should be me. And so that's pretty much what they're booking going forward. This should be really good. There's some things you could do with this. Um, if Braun drops the title, you could see him getting moved up to Raw or SmackDown. Don't know that he's quite ready, but not my choice. Because if he beats Carmelo, then there's not really anybody on the roster that could line up to be a next opponent for Braun. That's why I feel like he's going to drop the belt. And if he does, he either gets moved up or he'll go into some other things for a minute. Maybe pair up with somebody or something like that. Maybe take a break. But... It's going to be good. Uh, Carmelo, I, I really thought Waller would have been the one to take Braun's title, but Carmelo makes a lot of sense, too. He really is one of the A-plus players down there in NXT. Uh, Gacy got kind of an uneventful win over Andre Chase. When you get faction versus faction, you think it'd be a lot better than, than these are because of all the people involved, but at least Gacy got a win. Andre Chase doesn't win very often anyway. It was a good match. Chase is a very good mechanic. Gacy is he's like a he's like a Bray Wyatt in training to me. He could if he really goes to those darker levels, I think he could really do some big things. And then we get to the main event as Roxanne Perez defended her women's world title against Somebody she admires a lot in Miko Satomura. Miko's a big 
veteran and uh, can still probably out-wrestle about 98% of the people on the roster. This is a really, like, they keep building this up to where uh, Miko put Roxanne through a lot of her trainings and warm-ups, and it was really wearing Roxanne out. In the end, Roxanne finds a way to win this match, and as she stands up to celebrate, she collapses. Um, I went back and watched it as soon as it happened. Uh, rewatched it and uh, did a little digging because it looked like a work to me. And it is a work. Uh, she did not really collapse because, for one, they kept showing it. They showed her get loaded in an ambulance. They show, And the way they were acting, it looked like every other time somebody gets loaded in an ambulance on wrestling. That, that, you know, they turn the lights on, they pull off, they probably pulled back in the arena ten minutes later. Didn't buy it. But I've also read some things and, and reached out to some people that there is something going on with Roxanne Perez. Nobody knows a lot of details about it, but there's something else, and this angle is covering up whatever that is. This is supposed to kind of take the place of what it is. But what it is isn't super serious, but it could be enough to where at some point they have to take the belt off of her so that she can address whatever it is. I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know if it's some sort of condition. But something's going on, and luckily they're not making medical things, uh, you know, private matters personal, and they're not making them out in the open, because that's none of our business, that kind of things that happen. You can be worried about people without knowing everything about them. But uh, good for Roxanne on the win, but I just don't know, I just don't know what's going on, and hopefully we'll find out sometime soon. Let's go to the world of AEW. They open up Dynamite with Orange Cassidy defending his belt against Jay Lethal. They are going to... They're renaming, I think, instead of the All-Atlantic, it's going to be something else now, but uh, Orange will defend that soon. But Orange versus Lethal was a very, very good match. That is how you start off a card. Um, Lethal is one of those guys that doesn't matter win, lose, or draw you still walk away just, just being amazed by the things he does. Uh, good win for Orange Cassidy, who continues to defy the odds of, of keeping that belt as long as he has. We got to see Ricky Starks try to call out the JAS, and instead Juice Robinson attacked him. Starks versus Juice would be very good. When Starks wins that feud, and maybe eh, that could be a good enough feud, that could propel him to take on MJF somewhere down the road for the world title. I don't think he's good enough to beat MJF, but he would be a great, great opponent for him. Um, Ruby Soho, with her new shenanigan friends of Soraya and Storm, took on Sky Blue. Uh, Sky Blue is, is an up-and-coming prospect for sure. She does some great great things. Uh, it was unfortunate that she got matched up in this one. We knew she wasn't going to win and then they embarrassed her by painting green L's on her before Willow come down and then they attacked her as well. I'm just not a big fan of, of spray paint and bullying and that whole thing is pretty much all that what that's about. FTR returned. We know they returned to the pay-per-view but they returned to let everybody know. If you're a tag team in the division, you are put on notice FTR is back. Super excited about that. 
Top Flight and A.R. Fox took on Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Daniel Garcia, along with other members of the JAS. And it was Jake Hager who used that bat of Jericho's, named Floyd, to, um, I think he hit A.R. Fox. I forgot now which one he hit. He might have hit one of the brothers and allowed Jericho to get the win. And... I don't know. It seems like Hager and Daniel Garcia, as good a talents as they are, they're they're just they're pushed to the back so much in the JAS so that Sammy Guevara and Jericho can be basically rock stars. It just it's kind of a waste of time to me. Uh but the elite did come down because Jericho said that they are the best trio around and they wanted to call out House of Black. Well instead the elite showed up. And then House of Black showed up and went, that's cute. As soon as you guys determine who should face us, we're right here. And they disappeared again. Uh, they ran a special where it looks like Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson could maybe be hanging him up soon. I think he'd stay on with the company in a backstage role. He was already kind of doing some of that. But, uh, I mean, he's had a heck of a run. I definitely could see that he goes more into a regal mentorship type thing. But uh, it'd be an interesting thing to watch in the next couple weeks. Pretty good tag match between Claudio Castanoli and John Moxley. They had Wheeler Yuta with them. Uh, Silver and Reynolds from the Dark Order. They're the more established team, but you, just Mox and Claudio are, got way too much clout. Of course, they win. And as they continued to destroy Silver and Reynolds... Evil Uno comes down, he gets destroyed, Hangman finally comes down, and he looks at Moxley, and he's like, if you wanted my attention, you have my attention. So, even though Hangman won the pay-per-view and won the uh, penultimate match, looks like him and Mox aren't done. And then Wardlow, who had his belt stolen out of his car, I think legit had it, because it was his, his gear too, uh, took on Powerhouse Hobbs in a Falls Count Anywhere match. He was doing pretty well with it until QT Marshall come down or came out to the stage to help Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, QT kind of dissolved his faction about a week ago. So if QT is mentor and Hobbs, Hobbs might be champion for a while. And we'll see what Wardlow does. That moved us to AEW Rampage. Sammy Guevara took on Action Andretti. Pretty good match until you realize that uh, Sammy Guevara pulled some politics and was going to win. Uh, Daniel Garcia had a lot to do with that in helping. Darby had a backstage interview where he kind of started to put everybody on notice again. I think he's coming off an injury, so it's good to see him back. Um, the Acclaimed with Billy took on Starboy, Charlie, and Jack Cartwheel. Yes, they and their names are probably the biggest highlight of that match. The Acclaim looked pretty good in it, uh, but Starboy Charlie and Jack Cartwheel are probably not going to be lighting up the wrestling ring anytime soon. They they were not bad, but yeah. Uh, Preston Vance versus Konosuke Takeshita. Uh, These are two of the bigger prospects that always said. He always said reach for the sky. So uh, I guess he's going to relinquish his belt and at the Ring of Honor event coming up at the end of the month, I think the 31st, they are 
man, they are money when they are together in a ring. It moved us to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Eddie Kingston took E. We don't know. We should stay tuned to find out. And then they finished up with just a classic, classic battle of uh, Okada versus Tanahashi. And what did I miss? Oh. Lastly, Impact, uh, yeah, Impact Wrestling. Uh, he is pairing up with Bully. That could definitely help her, but she should be wary. Bully likes to cheat anybody he's around. Uh, Rhino versus Callahan was really good until the design attacked Callahan, allowing Rhino to win. Jordan Grace took on Alexa uh, Gracio, who was making her debut. She used to be in NXT. I cannot remember her name. She was Indy Hartwell's tag partner not long ago, but uh, she's she's pretty good. But Jordan Grace made sure she remembered Jordan's the queen. At least an impact. Kushida took on Jonathan Gresham. My comment for this one was whoa, because Kushida is a great performer and a great grappler and kind of jujitsu guy. He's really good at putting on arm bars and and uh, kimuras. And Jonathan Gresham is called the octopus because he can put you in a million holds and counters. Really, really good match. Good win for Kushida. Uh, Killer Kelly came down and called out Taylor Wilde with her shenanigans and her, her tarot cards and whatever they've got her doing now. It's, uh, it's got, it's got Vince Russo written all over that storyline. But uh, looks like Kylan King has came over from AEW and has partnered up with Taylor Wilde and they attacked Killer Kelly and we'll see where that goes from there. And then lastly, Deanna Perrazzo was at ringside doing commentary as Mickey James defended her belt against Giselle Shaw. Pretty solid match. Mickey won, but it had a lot to do with Perrazzo's help towards the end to make sure that Giselle Shaw was not going to win. Mickey versus Perrazzo hopefully is a match we see very, very soon. And uh, if somebody's going to retire Mickey, I hope it's Perrazzo because Deanna is very, very good. But that's going to do it for us this week. That is all the amazing action we could cram into a, what time are we looking at? Just over an hour. But I am Jeremy York, Jeremy the Impact York. This has been another great edition of Strong Style. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.